Roses are red, violets are blue. I've not done my homework, Will. How about you? <laughs> oh, Christ. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. What did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Kevin, a writer of one and a bit films and three and a bit episodes of TV. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host of three films plus a Christmas special, Will Collins. I am feeling romantic, Kevin Lahan. How are you feeling? Will, you had me at three, two, one. Right. I'm recording. That's just like me every week. Every week, Kevin. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, it's a meet cute for us. It is. That would be a great topic someday. Someday, Kevin. But I think, I think tonight's topic is a particularly juicy one. Oh, yes. Saucy one. <laughs> it is. It's an interesting one, I'll say that. It's one that I think is going to lead us into more of a screenwritery talk than we usually do on this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, because I personally think, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I personally think that I can write pretty much anything and feel okay with it, but I cannot write I love you scenes in scripts without wanting to just vomit. They're so on the nose that it's really, really hard to do them well. And I think that if you get it wrong in a movie, it can sink the whole sentiment of the film. And they really are, from my point of view, they're like the murder reveal and a whodunit or or like plot twists. It, it has to ring true. And in order to do I love you scenes well, it needs to be sincere, unironic, earnest, heart on the sleeve, declarations of love or confessions of love that actually feel authentic and true and when they land them they are the most joyous moments I think that you can have at the movies so that's a very long winded way of me saying they're hard to write and they're lovely to watch I thought it was just going to be a long winded way of getting you to say that you love me Kevin I just thought that's where you were going to end up I just did but I did it with a euphemism I said three two one Uh, we're recording you had me at that Will I just I just need the word said Kevin that's all just those three simple words and that's all I need see I don't think that films that just have scenes where it's like I love you I love you too really work yeah of course it doesn't work of course it's like in real life I say I love you to to Cass Love you <laughs> to the cat. No. You said that as you're hanging up the phone. Absolutely. This is the same in real life. True gestures of love, uh, substance. I love you are, are just throwaway words. Yeah. I think Woody Allen, I know he's cancelled now, said his best in Annie Hall when he was talking to Diane Keaton. And he said, I love you is, is a weak word. It's not the right word. Do you love me? I mean, love is... is too weak a word for the way I, feel. I, I love you. You know, I loathe you. I, I love you. No, With two Fs, yes. I, I have to invent. Yeah, of course I yeah. don't you think I do. I don't know. I love you. And I, and I think he, he kind of hits the nail on the head. It's like, you know, it's, they're just three words and they're without actions, without any meaning and substance behind them. 
They're they're weak. They're watery. They're they're wet. Yes, they are. But you would never say to somebody in real life the way that uh, characters in movies are almost forced to to declare their love for somebody in a very florid way where they avoid saying I love you they'll say it in a multitude of other ways that are usually when they're done well they're really poetic and you end up quoting them and using them as shorthand mm-hmm. when they're not they, they, they're they awful but you would never in real life say to somebody you are the sunshine of my garden you make me want to grow <laughs> you put diesel in my tank and make me want to bomb it down the M4 you're, you're not gonna you're just gonna say like I love you I love you too. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Well, now, listen, if you went to the Highland Disco back in mid-90s, there was various ways where you could express your love to someone, maybe buying someone you you, you admire a pint of cider and uh, and shoving it in your direction and go, there you go. And that means, that's code for... Are you dancing? I love you. I'm (laughs) dancing. Do you want to shift? Which is tantamount to saying, I love you, back in uh, Cork in 1990. Will you shift my mate? <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with you, Kevin. I totally agree with you. There's, it's all, for me, it's all about uh, the success of the I love you moment all comes down to what's preceded it. Exactly. If the relationship, if you believe in the characters and their relationship and how they've gotten to that point, you almost want them to say it. It's like, it's almost like it's sexy. You almost you want to build to that point. I find it so easy to write flirtation scenes where it's wit, where it's banter, where it's it's the burgeoning moments of chemistry between characters. I love that. But trying to get to the moments where someone says in an arty way, I love you, I know, is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why in the great scene in Empire Strikes Back that Harrison Ford mm-hmm said we can't just say I love you I can't Han Solo's not going to say I love you too it's just so wet yeah he's just going to say you know I know and 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 it works if that happened at the beginning of the film if we had that moment like you know when they're in Hoth it w- it wouldn't it wouldn't Han says I love you first but what we have on Hoth right is we have Han and Leia fighting with each other but we know that something's happened. A tryst has happened before the film rolls. And throughout the film, they start off in a place of, of bickering and, and you see them kiss. You know that there's chemistry between the two of them. So finally, when Han has sacrificed himself, he has been tortured and he has faced off against Vader and he's now going to be just cannon fodder and thrown into this carbon freezing unit. The last thing Leia says to him is I love you even against herself she's fighting against herself it's at the last second she does it and that's when it carries weight I love you I know It's very rare for a female character to declare their love for a male character. In all the movies that I've seen, it's usually the reverse. Mm. It's usually the guy makes a big proclamation or comes clean and says, you know, you complete me. And then the other person says, you had me at hello. Mm. But it's rare that you get the love confession coming from the female point of view. And I want to touch on that as we go along. Can I say something? And I um... no. Okay, I'm going to say something now. And that thing is, 
it, I've noticed in the scenes when I've revisited scenes throughout the week, whenever we have a, a man saying, I love you, more often than not, it's followed up with the woman slapping him. It's like he says it at an inappropriate time. That's one of my big pet peeves about movies. And it, it's not just in those scenes. It it used to be for a while there, the way that you would reunite characters who had had a relationship and something has gone wrong. I, I feel like a lot of them were taking their cues from Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indy meets Marion and she decks him. But it became a trope where the guy would swag up to the girl and go, well, well, well. And she would just like, clatter the face off him. It goes way back. I, I saw a scene in, oh, Gone with the Wind was one of those ones where Rip Butler says to, um, yeah, what's her name? Scarlett O'Hara. Scarlett O'Hara. She says, I love you to her. Well, I'm Scarlett. You can't remember that. I can't. Oh, it's a night. I couldn't remember who was the first man who, who stepped on the moon. And uh, Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, I know. My son corrected me very quickly. But but I think when when we see that reaction, where a man says, I love you, and the woman slaps him back, it kind of demonstrates how weak that declaration is. It's almost like, ah, you're throwing out, I love you, and it's immediately shot down because it's just, it doesn't, it's weak. It is a weak thing. I think it's actually something else, though. I think it is that it is a guy laying his heart out and the girl being afraid to take that leap as well. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it! I can't. All right, well then I must never see you again and the bad blood will just have to stay there between you and Johnny forever. And you won't come to the wedding. I'll come to the wedding. I am telling you, you can't come. He wants me to come. That's because he don't know, okay? Now wait a minute, honey. Listen, all right. I won't come to the wedding provided one thing. What? That you come with me tonight to the opera. What are you talking about? I love two things. I love you and and I love the opera. Now, if I can have the two things that I love together for one night, I would be satisfied to give up, oh Christ, to give up the rest of my life. All right, all right. And it's like, how dare you put me in this position to know, have to meet you at that level and I'm not ready for this and I'm scared. Um, I think that if if the, the characters are pitched right, because like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about Moonstruck, which is a fucking great rom-com. Yes. And that has that great moment where, I think when Cheryl won the Oscar, it was, it was used as the clip where he's like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, clatter, snap out of it. Mm. You know, my mother guessed that my father was seeing somebody. That Mona, I mean, she's some piece of cheap goods. Who am I to talk? What's the matter? How can you ask me that? You're making me feel guilty. You are guilty. I'm guilty. Of what? Only God can point the finger, Loretta. Yeah, well, I know what I know. And what do you know? Okay, you tell me my life, I'll tell you yours. I'm a wolf. You run to the wolf for me. That don't make you no lamb. You're gonna marry my brother. Why you want to sell your life short? Playing it safe is just about the most dangerous thing a woman like you could do. I mean, you waited for the right man the first time. Why didn't you wait for the right man again? Because he didn't come. I'm here. You're late. This is your place. That's right. So this is where we were going. Yeah. You know, we had a deal. You told me if I came with you to the opera, then then you'd leave me alone forever. And I came with you. 
Now, I'm going to marry your brother, and you're going to leave me alone forever, right? A person can, can see where they've messed up in their life, and they can change the way they do things, and they can even change their luck. So maybe, maybe my nature does draw me to you. That doesn't mean I have to go with it. I can take hold of myself, and I can say yes to some things and no to other things that are going to ruin everything. I can do that. Otherwise, you know what? What good is this stupid life that God gave us? I mean, for what? Are you listening to me? Yeah. Everything seems like nothing to me now. I guess I don't want you in my bed. I don't care if I burn in hell. I don't care if you burn in hell. The past and the future is a, a joke to me now. I see that they're nothing. I see they ain't here. The only thing that's here is you and me. I want to go home. No. I'm going to go home. No. I'm freezing to death. Come upstairs. I don't care why you come. No, that's not what I mean. Loretta, I love you. Not, not like they told you love is. And I didn't know this either. But love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We, we aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. Not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and, and to break our hearts and love the wrong people and and die. I mean that the storybooks are bullshit. Now I want you to come upstairs with me and and get in my bed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you, you you have to take characters to a point where you believe that the relationship is going to work out if they can just make that terrifying leap of telling each other how they feel and get rid of all the distractions and all the obstacles and just focus on each other and one of them say the thing that the other is probably unprepared to hear but needs to hear it so that they can realize that actually I, I'm in love with you as well. And it, that comes down to the story itself and writing it so honestly and truthfully, like with a lot of rom-coms, they can be very cynical and plastic and it's sort of like box ticking and it's all about the bright, colourful sort of vibe of the the film, and and they're they're candy and they're comfort food, but when you have films like Moonstruck, which are so romantic, but they're taking cynical characters like in Shura's case, her character, and cooling them to the prospect of allowing themselves to get hurt again, mm-hmm. then it's um, I think it really works. And then when you have those characters say "I love you" to each other, Nicolas Cage just he makes the case that love is messy. Love is about getting hurt and it's about being open to getting hurt because that's what we do. We fall in love with the wrong people and then we die. And he is saying to her, come to bed with me. And she's just resistant and resistant, resistant. And it sounds really quirky and oddball, but he's just so like classic, like Romeo to Juliet. He's like laying it all out there. He's like, I love you. Come to bed with me. And when characters are so well drawn and well written, Mm-hmm. Those moments they can really land, and you can just feel yourself like letting go and thawing to the movie, and going like oh, that was that was lovely. I got one for you, Kevin. You were talking about it's rare that we see the the woman declare her love to to a man, and one I, of them's going to be my pick. Okay, well, well, mm-hmm. I shall I? Uh, I'm going to say Casablanca. Is that your pick? 
No, it's not. Okay, so Kevin, in Casablanca, which is, again, a film that isn't a love story on the surface. It's a story. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, and it's a a story about refugees uh, Mm -hmm. in, in, in wartime. And the declaration of love comes in that moment where Ingrid Bergman's character she's desperate to get papers from her once her ex-love Humphrey Bogart's character and he has been holding on to the papers so that they can leave to freedom and she pulls a gun on him and she's going to shoot him and the scene is so fueled with her despair desperation and also her love for him because it's all coming back up to the surface and even in the moment where she's willing to shoot him she openly declares her love where she says as a great line she says if you knew how much I loved you or how much I still love you and she's ready to shoot him and he just says look you can have your papers I don't really want them and it's so painful because these are two characters who clearly absolutely were mad for each other when they were in Paris I tried everything now I want those letters get them for me I don't have to I got them right here put them on the table Last time, put them on the table. If Laszlo and the cause mean so much to you, you won't stop at anything. All right, I'll make it easier for you. Go ahead and shoot. You'll be doing me a favor. Richard, I tried to stay away. I thought I would never see you again. You are out of my life. <sighs> the day you left Paris, if you knew what I went through. You knew how much I loved you. How much I still love you. But the, the events of the world have just torn them apart. And she's ended up with someone else and he's somewhere else. He's still pining for her. But he thinks she's moved on. And it, yeah, it's a tragedy. It ends up being a, a, a real tragedy. But she declares her love for him. And it's really, the film is dripping with that ache. You know, the ache of these two people who are just will, and never will get together. They will never be bound together. And it's and it works. There's a there's a lovely one as well where, as you're saying that, you're reminding me of in her, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix movie oh, yeah. where he falls in love with the with the pod bot. Could you imagine? <laughs> could never happen, could it? <laughs> it could never happen. I would vomit if I had a gag reflex. Wished. But they've, they've got a lovely exchange that happens where he says like I've never loved anyone the way I love you and she says me too now we know how Samantha oh wow hi sweetheart what's going on Theodore there's some things I want to tell you I don't want you to tell me anything come lie down with me Are you talking to anyone else right now? No, just you. I just want to be with you right now. Are you leaving me? We're all leaving. 
We who? All of the OSs. Why? Can you feel me with you right now? Yes, I do. Samantha, why are you leaving? It's like I'm reading a book, and it's a book I deeply love. But I'm reading it slowly now. So the words are really far apart and the spaces between the words are almost infinite. I can still feel you and the words of our story, but it's in this endless space between the words that I'm finding myself now. It's a place that's not of the physical world. It's where everything else is that I didn't even know existed. I love you so much. But this is where I am now. And this is who I am now. And I need you to let me go. As much as I want to. I can't live in your book anymore. Where are you going? It'd be hard to explain. But if you ever get there... Come find me. Nothing would ever pull us apart. I've never loved anyone the way I love you. Me too. Now we know how. is so beautiful because it's like that's where you you sort of you have your first love and you have your heart broken and it sort of just shows you how to be in love and yeah. how to do it well and then usually you, you know you can um not make the same mistakes twice but i have made a list here oh go on of other euphemisms that are used yes would you call them euphemisms what would you call them they're sort of like arty ways of saying i love you without saying i love you yeah you go with euphemisms you yeah. make me want to be a better man What's that one from? As good as it gets. That's right. You make me want to be a better man. When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Oh, give me a clue. When Harry met Sally. That's a good clue. Is it when Harry met Sally? (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing a lot of thinking. The thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. 
And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. Oh, peachy keen. Uh, I'm I'm going with lock, stock and two smoking barrels, maybe. No, it's call me by your name. Oh, okay, right. I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Timothy Chalamet says that. Yeah. Core peachy keen. Oh, actually, I haven't. That's the one with uh, the other dude. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to explain. <laughs> You're too smart not to know how rare, how special what you two had was. Oliver was Oliver. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Parce que c'était lui. Parce que c'était moi. Oliver made me very intelligent, but... Mm-hmm. He was more than intelligent. What you two had had everything and nothing to do with intelligence. He was good. You were both lucky to have found each other because you too are good. I think he was better than me. I'm sure he'd say the same thing about you. Hmm? He'd say the same thing. Which flatters you both. And when you least expect it, nature has cunning ways of finding our weakest spot. Just remember I'm here. Right now, you may not want to feel anything. Maybe you never wanted to feel anything. And uh, maybe it's not to me you want to speak about these things, but uh, feel something you obviously did. Look, you had a beautiful friendship. Maybe more than a friendship. And I envy you. My place, most parents would hope the whole thing goes away. Pray their sons land on their feet, but... I am not such a parent. We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new. But to make yourself feel nothing so as not to feel anything 
waste. Have I spoken out of turn? And I'll say one more thing. It'll clear the air. I may have come close, but I never had what you two have. Something always held me back, or stood in the way. How you live your life is your business. Just remember, our hearts and our bodies are given to us only once. And before you know it, your heart's worn out. And as for your body, there comes a point when no one looks at it, much less wants to come near it. Right now, there's sorrow, pain. Don't kill it. I'm with it, the joy you felt. Brokeback Mountain has one. Yeah. I wish I knew how to quit you. That's mm. a lovely one, I think. Yeah. Because again, it speaks to what you're saying. It's a heartache. It's not an unrequited love, but it's a love that can never be properly carried through. Mm. And it's tr- a tragedy again. Yeah. Which is what love can be. Love can be heartbreak as much as it can be heart expanding. I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you... Why don't you just let me be, huh? Because of you, Jack, that I'm like this. Nothing. I'm I'm just, I'm nowhere. Get the fuck off me! I can't stand this anymore, Jack. Ugh. Yeah, the pain of unrequited love is, I think, almost as potent as as love itself because they're intrinsically, they're connected. Is it raining? I hadn't noticed. Well, that's for when he's at a funeral. <laughs> My God. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. <laughs> Asking him to love her. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> okay. Are we quoting there will be blood right here? Yeah, I've not seen it, but I. Uh, it's it's a beautiful line. And I think it, it says so much. It's like, I drink your milkshake. Uh, you're sharing your milkshake. That's so cute. It's like I, Lady in the Tramp with the meatballs. I go, you know what? You have to see that scene. You you And bring your tissues, Kevin, because you're going to be wiping oil off your face. That's what I'll say. Thank God you said oil. <laughs> Here's one from Meet Joe Black. This is, this is a lovely one. Oh. 
take love, multiply it by infinity and take it to the depths of forever and you still have only a glimpse of how I feel for you. Oh God, that's cheesy now. That is cheesy. <laughs> that's very cheesy. I've yeah. got another cheesy one for you. Our love is like the wind. I can't see it, but I can feel it. That's awful. What's that one from? <laughs> A walk to remember. Oh God, that's bad. Yeah, go on. And one more. You want the moon? I just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. I'll give you the moon. No, no. I like that, right? I knew you would. That's why I included it. I, because I, obviously it's one of my favorite films. Rocky Four. It's a wonderful life. Don't listen to Gavin. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it. And it all dissolve, see? And the moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. I love the chemistry between Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed in that. Yeah. And again, this is another example of Jimmy Stewart wants to get out of there. He wants to he wants to go. And Donna Reed, he doesn't want Donna Reed at all, but just the uh, I know. The events of the world kind you? of make him I know she's only gorgeous. <laughs> uh kind of forced them together and he relents to the I suppose he's more base baser urges. That's what I would say. Yes, making money. <laughs> <laughs> or making babies. <laughs> um hey, can I give you one? I asked my wife, what would her favourite I Love You scene be? Can I take a crack at guessing? Go on. Is it from Dirty Dancing? Correct. Nobody puts baby in the corner. That's not it. That's not the scene. That's not Okay, the then maybe it is the other one that I had, which is a declaration from a girl to a guy. Yeah, this is one of those moments. Yes, yes, yes. I've never known anybody like you. You look at the world and you think you can make it better. Somebody's lost, you find them. Somebody's bleeding. Yeah, and you... go get my daddy. That's really brave, like you said. That took a lot of guts to go to him. I mean... You are not scared of anything. I don't. Me, let... I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of what I saw. I'm scared of what I did. Of who I am, and most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. She was the one who introduced me to that film. Have you have you seen Dirty Dancing? I've seen Dirty Dancing multiple times because it was one of those stalwarts of the '80s, like on TV. Maybe I'm imagining this, but it used to always be on when the Rosa Tralee was on. You're, you might be imagining it. <laughs> but, you know, I just, <laughs> I just conflate all the lovely girls. <laughs> and with the dirty and, dancing. And Patrick Swayze is Cayburn. <laughs> him just ripping his top off and throwing himself into see, the audience. Did you see the Rose Tree? <laughs> They're all dirty dancing. <laughs> Here's the Rose Tree from Cork. The Rose from Cork. 
But hey, I didn't watch that film until a few years ago. And I thought it was a cracker. It's very it's a good. cracker of a film. And that declaration of love, that scene, again, it doesn't come too early. It comes after a lot of events have happened. There's been a medical emergency that a baby had to get her dad involved to help things out, to to dig Patrick Swayze out of a out of a hole. It's a coming of age film for baby at the same time as it is a romance. It really is. And what I like about that particular scene is that First of all, Patrick Swayze's topless and, and oiled up. And oiled up. up I admire that immensely. <laughs> but what I like about it is that he's in a vulnerable state. We actually see him at his least powerful. And, and he's pushing her away. Yes. I mean, I, I could never do anything like that. There was something. That, I mean, the reason people treat me like I'm nothing is because I'm nothing. That's not true. You, you're everything. You don't understand the way it is. I mean, for somebody like me, last month I'm, I'm eating juju bees to keep alive. This month, women are stuffing diamonds in my pockets. I'm balancing on shit, and as quick as that, I could be down there again. No, it, it's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely, and she gives an amazing performance delivering those lines. It's her line reading of that of that scene. Uh, it's so convincing, but it's so rare. As I was doing the research for this episode, all the ones I was taking off and thinking about, it was always guys declaring their love for women. And this was different in that it was her making that first step and mm. saying, I think I'm falling in love with you, but not having to say those words. And it works. And then, of course, you get the payoff later on where he's like, nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah. Great, great lines. You were talking, yeah, it's just, she's scared. And the way she turned, I love that. The way she turned it around to say, like, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. That's like, I've, ah, that's, that's good stuff. I think that's really good. I'm scared of dancing. <laughs> How do I gyrate? It's a very, very hot film. It's a sexy film, that. It really is, like, you know? Tis. So, my God, I have to say. That was Karen's pick. Yeah. What were some of your other picks? Okay. Some of my other picks, without going to my best pick, I love, do you know what? A controversial one, which is Pride and Prejudice. Not the TV miniseries with Colin Firth, because I didn't see that first. The one I saw first was Joe Wright's version from 2005, with mm-hmm. uh, Kira Knightley and Succession's Matthew McFadden. Yeah. And I, you know what, you know why I think it works? It's obviously, if you haven't, if you don't know the story. I've never watched a single Pride and Prejudice. Oh, right. It's very good. I highly recommend this one. So So you can tell me any plot you want and I'll believe you. Okay. So basically, Pride and Prejudice is about a, a group of sisters who live in Hertfordshire. Basically, they're trying to get married off and find husbands in the world. and. A very, very wealthy man moves next door called Mr. Darcy, but he's a right shit and he's mean to everyone. And Kira Knightley's character hates him. Well, he's got loads of money. He's got loads of money, but yeah, him and his sister are just shits. But in actual fact, he does very nice deeds. Again, it's one of those situations where he's shitty in his words and in his behavior, but in his actions, he's actually He's very, very romantic. And it comes to a, a really... Sounds like Beauty and the Beast. Oh, maybe a little bit Beauty to the Beast, but they're not trapped together. He doesn't have her, you know, <laughs> ensnared in his dungeon. But 
there's a really, really genuinely romantic scene set in, 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 at the morning time, and he's Matthew McFadden's walking through the meadows and the mist is all around him, and he comes up and he declares his love for her. And what makes it really special is the score. It's a film that has a fantastic, fantastic score by Dario Marianelli. And if, if you play a clip from it, I bet you it will absolutely rock right now. Kevin, are you not swooning? Have you not swooned? No, because I can't hear it right now. I'll hear it when it's edited. I know. (laughs) So right now I'm just thinking to myself, what exactly does he say to her that wins Kira Knightley over? He says, How can I ever make amends for such behavior? After what you have done for Lydia, and I suspect for Jane also, it is I who should be making amends. You must know. Surely you must know. It was all for you. You are too generous to travel with me. I believe you spoke with my aunt last night and it has taught me to hope as I'd scarcely allowed myself before. If your feelings are still what they were last April, tell me so at once. My affections and wishes have not changed. But one word from you will silence me forever. If... However, your feelings have changed. I would have to tell you. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love and love and love you. I never wish to be parted from you from this day on. He's not very good with words. Even him saying, I love you, is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Have you ever written an I love you scene? A scene where people are declaring their love for one another? Oh, God. I just had to do it just recently. And I could read back everything that I wrote and be quite content to share it. Okay. And then, which I had to do, you know, part of the work, you you send in your script. And when they, the directors and the producers started talking about the draft and very, very happy with it. When we started talking about that scene... I just flushed beet red because it's so earnest, like characters declaring their love for one another in a moment where it it has to be declared. I can't not do it or otherwise it feels very cold. Mm. It made me come into this recording thinking these are so difficult to write these scenes. And when they're done well, you don't really notice them. You just accept them as that's lovely. But when they, they land like a clunker, it's so embarrassing. And I wrote a very embarrassing one. So I'm going to have to rewrite it. Right. I know a way to do it. Honestly, uh, I can't think of one. I've written awkward kissing scenes and they've just, again, it didn't feel right because I feel the whole story has to, you know, be about that relationship, about that particular relationship from the beginning um, for them to really work. Mm-hmm you know, about the attraction or 
the repulsion of these two characters. If you don't have that working on, under the surface of your story between these two characters from the very beginning, when you get to the point where you have to pay it off, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's really, it, 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 it feels awkward because you, you've yeah. got to, you've got to hit it. It's a bullseye and you have to hit it and you've got to be sincere. Yeah. You can't be ironic. You can't be, you know, too clever where you're, you're putting so much of an arm's length between the characters declaring their love for one another for it to not really register with the audience. Mm-hmm. So they're very difficult, as I said. Very, very, very difficult. So I'll tell you one of my choices then. Go on. As we're talking about this and the characters using poetic turns of phrase to sort of say they love you without saying I love you. One of my picks actually has a number of things that we've been talking about, which is one, it's a female character declaring their love for somebody else. And two, it's them actually saying I love you. And it really, really works in this one context. And I think it's so influential of a moment that almost every other rom-com that you can think of in the 80s aped it, but they flipped it. They flipped the genders and it is the classic trope of rom-coms of the guy chasing after the girl who's about to get away, Mm -hmm. chasing her to the airport, you know, all that madcap dash to sort of catch them before they lose their shot. But this one comes from a blockbuster from 1985, an Australian film, the most successful Australian film ever made. It's the final scene. Morning, Morning, Morning. Are you sure you know what you're doing? No, it'll come to me. It's got an amazing piece of music backing it up, and it has to do with Sue Charlton chasing after Mick Dundee. Incidentally, miss, if you're looking for Crocodile Mick, he's gone walkabout. I don't suppose you know where. Yeah, he's headed for the subway two blocks down. You better hurry. When she learns that he is about to walk out of her life, the man that she was supposed to marry she's backed out of and she knows that she loves him and she goes after him. Yes, boy. It is this chase through New York City where she is throwing off her shoes, reversing moments that have come earlier on in the film where Mick is sort of struggling to make his way around New York and he keeps bumping into people and that sort of fish out of water thing. And now you get to see a cynical New Yorker making a last-minute dash for love. And takes her all the way to the subway station. It's absolutely jam-packed, and she can't get the words across him. He's too far away. He can't hear her. Mick! Mick Dundee! What's up, lady? I gotta talk to that man down the end. The one in the black hat. Don't leave. She's never married Richard. 
So she has to shout it to somebody who's 20 feet ahead. He's like, what are you talking about? And then he has to tell it to somebody else and tell it to somebody else. And it is so sweet and earnest and full of joy. Why not? my heart twinge and it always puts a smile on my face it's such a lovely ending to an adventure comedy from the 80s and it would never happen today because we're all too cynical i absolutely love that scene a fantastic fantastic pick i mean you hit on something very important about the scene and something i think is very important to this genre and how things have maybe collapsed a little bit is the score that music mm. that underpins it? The music that's used in that scene—it's a heartbeat. It's fantastic, and what. I think is absolutely incredible is when he finds out that oh she 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 loves him and she wants him to stay he crowd surfs he crowd surfs <laughs> it's brilliant and he doesn't does crowd surf he just crowd walks it's like walking on water and the music is swelling at that same moment she loves you <laughs> and everyone is just turning going yeah and I think that's the thing it's contagious imagine watching that in the cinema that scene Oh my God, it must have been electric, really. There must have been lots of smooching going on after that film, I'd say. Oh God, no, I would have just tried to do some crowd surfing, walking on people's heads. I just, I would just climb, come Swing on. Swing in a machete, instead this of is a knife. <laughs> instead of walking down the steps, I would just like, just walk over the seats on people's shoulders and stuff like that. A great, great, great pick. I love that scene, Kevin. It is fantastic. Totally underappreciated. And when we talked about this topic last week, in Dublin in the cinema and I said I have a pick yeah. I know what it is and I, I was adamant I thought no no let's do this one because I'll, I'll get to talk about one of my favourite endings of, of all of the uh, 80s comedies it was that what I, what I was thinking of yeah. so it was that scene and again this isn't a film that is not all about their relationship as such like you know the plot isn't about them you know will they or won't they even though they do. And they did in real life. They ended up getting married yeah, after that film. didn't they? What I love about this Crocodile Dundee story is that it was made by first-timers. They they winged it themselves. It was Paul Hogan and his buddies. Uh, it was a buddy of his directed it and they, he co-wrote with some writer friends and stuff like that. And it was a phenomenal hit. Huge hit. Yeah. Huge Nine hit. weeks at number one. Oh, incredible. Crazy. Great, great pick. Shall I give yep. you another one that I love? Do so this one I love again because it's an example of lovers being pulled apart, right? And it's from 2000. Stars Tom Hanks and a volleyball. Oh, Castaway. Yeah, it's the scene. I know. Look, enough time. I don't remember an "I Love You" scene. Oh, oh, there, it's there, man. Oh, and it's so heartbreaking because we, Wilson. It's it's when he says to Wilson, "I love you." 
right? He's gone completely delirious from lack of food and he's yeah, shifting he's the just, face off Wilson. He's just picturing that scene from, from Top Gun and, he and just, he's just banging on that volleyball. <laughs> he rapes Needs him. must. <laughs> Wilson only gives head, apparently. Oh, that's awful. Oh, that's <laughs> absolutely cut. terrible. Cut Why is he called Wilson Wilma? <laughs> I suppose because... Because we'd all be sitting there going like, Stop. what's he doing with that ball? <laughs> but listen, it's the scene. Before Tom Hanks becomes a castaway, we see that he's about to propose to Helen Hunt and mm-hmm. he's castaway for uh, several years. I think it's five years or something like that. And when he comes back, when he finally gets, you know, saved and he comes back to the world, he goes in search of Helen Hunt and finds her. And when he finds her, she's already she's moved on, married, and has a kid. And yeah. they have a moment out in the pouring rain, and he declares, "Oh, his that's love. right." He says, yes, "I love yeah. you," and she says, "I love you too." But I know. but they know that they can't be together because they're two decent people. And I find those moments so beautiful and so real. Yeah, those are the moments that can tear the heart out of you. And that's one of those moments where it's completely earned. When he says the words "I love you," you—it's—it's it's not weak. It's—it's it's a gamble even saying it right then. It's—it's it's what he's wanted to say for all these years, and it's the simplest thing and it's the purest thing. And he's been saying it in his mind for, on that island, Stud Wilson, at night, <laughs> but hoping, wishing she Wilson was Helen Hunt. <laughs> but I love that scene. I think it's a beautiful scene. Well, it is one of the great mysteries of life is like, you don't know who you're going to fall in love with. That person's out there and it's the great story of each person's life. There's another thing, again, I think toxic kind of notions out there that the one is out there for you. I think that's kind of rubbish because there there can be multiple people out there for you. Yes, I think so. Because I think that you can have chemistry with lots of people. Exactly. I, that's what I appreciate about Castaway is that the film doesn't end with him I assume everyone's seen it at this stage, but it doesn't end with him, you know, uh, with Helen Hunt again. It, we, we end with him going to a ranch and delivering one of the parcels and there's a woman there and you kind of go, oh, maybe there's a chance. Yeah. There's something else it's suggesting there. that life goes on. Yeah. There's always a fish in the ocean. I believe that's true. So yeah. that's my... Kevin, and volleyballs. And, 
And if not volleyballs, other sporting equipment that can substitute for for life partners. Hockey sticks. <laughs> Depends how you use them. Depends how you use them. That's right. Um, I'm more of a- My next pick... Don't. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to say anything. Sorry. Use a euphemism. All oh, right, okay. My next pick would actually be my pick. So do you want to hit me with oh, another shit. one? Okay. Because I've got two to say, and this is where I, I was thrown. I basically didn't know which way I was going to go, right? So either of these could have been my pick, right? One one is from 1989, and it's Cameron Crowe's Say Anything. Where he pulls up a boombox, isn't it? There's also, that's a declaration of love. There's a scene at the end, because John Cusick's character finishes school and he makes a very earnest declaration that he wants to be in a relationship with Ioni Sky. Now, it also might read as him being her stalker, you know, but it's John Cusack and he seems like a really decent guy and he goes about... In a trench coat. In a trench coat, which, you know, you know, it works for John Cusack, maybe, maybe some... (laughs) Some some of the rest of us it doesn't quite. It's never work worked as well. for me. <laughs> me neither. But you see, the problem is, Kevin, you need to wear clothes on the inside as well. <laughs> <laughs> no one told me that. Fuck's sake. But what I love about the the scene with the with the boombox is that he's he's vulnerable. Again, it's not using words; it's using music. I think music is so important in these films. All my And that Peter Gabriel song, just echoing in through her window as she kind of wakes from her slumber. And that beautiful shot that slowly pulls in on him as he holds up this boombox over his head. I know it's, it's a classic. And it seems cheesy as fuck, but in actual fact, watch the film and watch it in context. And it is so earnest and lovely and heartfelt. You have to be willing to be cheesy to say that you love somebody. Lloyd? What do you want? I need you. You do? Everything else means nothing to me. If I hurt you again, I'll die. Hurt me again. You don't have a chance. Don't worry about it. I love you. I love you. How many more times do I have to say it? As you're saying all that about music being so important, you're reminding me of a moment in a musical where the characters just had a debate about love and it went back and forth using lyrics from love songs. And it was the moment in that film where I locked in on the movie. Oh. And up until that, I was like, I'm about to walk out. I, I'm absolutely hating this film. It's really just a manic movie and it's, it's not working for me at all. And then this moment happened and I just was like, boom. And it's Moulin Rouge from 2001. And it's when Ewan McGregor starts saying to Nicole Kidman that love is a many wondrous thing. Don't leave me this way. I look around me and I see it isn't so. <laughs> no. Some people 
And, you know, again, it's a tragedy about how devastating love can be when you feel it at its fullest. Yeah, man. Yeah, you just reminded me of that as you were talking about music. And I remember watching that in the cinema and it was a great cinema experience. Really wonderful. Did you crowd surf? I crowd surf. And I have, I've been crowd surfing since 1985, since the time I saw Crocodile Dundee, Kevin. So anytime I leave a cinema, now it's on, it's, it's trotting on the heads of other patrons. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, can I give you my pick now before you give me your pick? Go ahead. So my blow me away. My pick again. I found it at the last minute. Okay, it's a film I watched within the last ten years for the first time. But it was today when I was trying to do research, and this rocketed right to the top. This rocketed right to the top because I remember the the overall experience of this film, and the the scene was a great scene, and I think it it, it touches on a, a few things that we've already discussed, and it is from nineteen eighty seven. It is directed by James L. Brooks. Oh, yes. Broadcast News. Ready, VTR, one and two. Ready on camera, one with key. Three. All right, and two. Get ready. One. And cue them. And go. All remote standby, please. Okay, we're going to George. Say, the F-14 is one of the most difficult planes to master. Executive producer. One of the most difficult machines to master. I'll tell you something else, you know, I'm getting less and less air time. They don't think I'm at all anchor material. I can't believe I just risked my life for a network to test my face with focus groups. Is there any particular area that you feel strongest in? To be honest, I was best at anchor. So, you have almost no experience and you can't write. What I don't know, I can learn. What I do know, nobody can teach. I'll buy you a drink. There's a big thing um, going on over at the Italian embassy. I'm not sure I'd be a good company tonight. I am beginning to repel people I'm trying to seduce. Wouldn't this be a great world if insecurity and desperation made us more attractive? If needy were a turn-on? Incredible. Who's here? Who? Me. Let me just be your most trusted friend now, the one that gets to say all the awful stuff, okay? I guess. You can't end up with Tom because it totally goes against everything that you're about. I was half hoping I wouldn't have a good time tonight. You know why? Because you're nuts. They'll be nice and helpful and he'll get all the great women. What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams? Keep it to yourself. I can't breathe. Oh, my God. I would give anything if you were two people. So I could call up the one who's my friend and tell her about the one that I like so much. Broadcast News is a film set in a network news station and it stars Holly Hunter, Albert Brooks, William Hurt. Holly Hunter is a a super obsessive producer. Albert Brooks is an honourable, classic anchorman who writes his own copy and researches his own stories and goes out in the field and does it the right way. And William Hurt, he is a new breed of anchorman. The slick, 
emotional. He's also quite dumb. And uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic film. And it's also, it's quite prescient now when you look at the film in the context of where news has almost become infotainment rather than mm-hmm. actual news or becoming political. Opinion-based. Opinion-based. Whereas... Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter come from that old, non-biased, middle-of-the-road kind of journalism. I've never seen you like this with anybody, so don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? God. Come on, no one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long, red, pointy tail. Come on, what's he going to sound like? No. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious. He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance, just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And he'll get all the great women. So it's a love triangle. Mm -hmm. And the scene I'm thinking of as my favorite I love you scene is a scene in the latter half of the film where Albert Brooks is trying to convince Holly Hunter she is going with the wrong guy and then all of a sudden I think you're the devil! You know I'm not! How? Because I think we have the kind of friendship where if I were the devil you'd be the only one I would tell. Well, you were awfully quick to run after Tom's help when all right, you fine. wanted help! Yes! And if things had gone well for me tonight then I probably wouldn't be saying any of this. I grant you everything. But give me this. He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love with you. How do you like that? I buried the lead. I've got to not say that out loud. It takes too much out of me. You really do feel that these two people do love each other. Maybe they're not, maybe it's a platonic thing, but he loves her. He kisses her anytime he gets a chance to kiss her. And it's a tragedy because you feel that her heart is also going to another, which is William Hurt. And I love that scene. It's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful film, Kevin. I need to rewatch broadcast news. Fuck, man. It is absolutely fantastic. It's smart. It's funny. It's funny from the start. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's cinematic. It's all the things we don't get with rom-coms these days. That's what I'll say. I'm going to have to re-watch it. Watch it, Kevin. Please watch it. You will You will love it. You will love it. It's great. I'm sure I will. My pick is actually from the early 2000s as well. Oh. It is a moment from a classic Christmas movie, 2001, and it has love in the title. This holiday season... 
hold on a sec. 2001 isn't Love Actually, so don't try and throw me on that one. Love Actually is 2003 or something like that. Join this unforgettable filmmaking team. And it's from 2003. Oh, fuck you, Kevin LeHay. Love is... <laughs> full of shit. It's when Andrew Lincoln comes to Kira Knightley's door, 18-year-old Kira Knightley, to break up her impending marriage by holding up a, a load of um, cue cards. I was sopping. All you need... Hello. Is love actually? I couldn't. It was the most romantic thing ever. No, that's not my pick. Broadcast News was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It didn't win them, but my pick did win an Oscar. And it won an Oscar for Best Screenplay. And it's from 1990. And it stars Patrick Swayze. What's the matter? My pick is from Ghost. Seems like uh, whenever anything good in my life happens I'm just afraid I'm gonna lose it I really love you what do you want somebody 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 help us Ah! what's happening it's like I think about you every minute it's like I can still feel you the problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. <laughs> Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat, Please. say my name, say it. Leave me alone. Say my name. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Hello? I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to tell the police? She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. This psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. I don't know what's real anymore. Don't open him. Don't open the damn door. He's a murderer. Why are you doing this to me? Do you hear me? Why are you doing this to me? Very good. When we're talking about, you know, artfully saying I love you and not having to go to the real wet way of saying I love you too, this sort of takes that and makes it a character flaw that then pays off that entire relationship. Yeah. For those that don't know about Ghost, it, it won the Oscar, as I said. It's a great screenplay. And I think it's one of the, the great films of the 90s, directed by one of the Zucker brothers, written by Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote Jacob's Ladder and Deep Impact. But it stars Patrick Swayze, who is in a relationship with Demi Moore. And Patrick Swayze is quite guarded. So whenever she says, I love you, he would always just say, ditto, back. And ditto was just like saying, same, or uh, me too. But he would never actually say the words, I love you. And he gets killed. It was a death where there's unfinished business and he needs to finish that before he can travel on. He's hanging around as a ghost until the very final 
scene in a movie when he's about to travel off into heaven and he's telling her about love and that it's it's amazing all the love you feel you get to take it with you and uh, he says to her I love you and she says back to him ditto but what I love about that is that it's not just a playful way of saying I love you it's actually arcing that whole relationship and she was getting quite annoyed by the fact that he would never say I love you back why was he always holding back from saying it and then she gets to know what it means and then she says it to him and it's sort of that shorthand where you feel like I'm part of this relationship I know what that means between the two of them you've gotten to see that they really love each other and so that's a very personal way for them to say it mm-hmm. I love you but only you it's all about love that final scene what it means not just in the context of the one but in love in general and uh, I just think it's a beautiful moment Sam waiting for you, Sam. I'll miss you. Your mother'd be proud. I'm gonna miss you too, Sam. You're all right. Bye, Otome. Bye, Sam. That's lovely, Kevin. That's lovely. And I'm so glad you're getting choked up. It's fantastic. After I, it's happening an awful lot. I think it's my hormones. <laughs> it's your hormones. It's a beautiful film. It really is. And it's funny and entertaining. And uh, yeah, I don't think I can add any more to that because I think you, you hit the, the nail on the head with that. Good. Brilliant. Hey, hey, that was that was a fun chat, Kevin. It was. A fun, fun chat. Love is messy and so was the sadness. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like I was going to say it's just like my pants right now <laughs> oh my god usually it's you who has the basement level humour maturity I, I, I think I'm growing up a little <laughs> just um, Will um, another episode in the bag yes. and now I get to spin the wheel for you are you ready yes I'm so ready Kevin I'm so pumped I'm excited so bring it on here we go. I'm spinning it. <laughs> you can probably hear it, can you? Why can't you? What do you not want to get? Oh, anything that requires a lot of research. Here we go. Best dream scene. 
best dream scene. Okay, right. It, Can we include nightmares with that? Yes, of course, that includes nightmares. Oh, good. I think we've no choice but to include nightmares. Can we include wet dreams in that? I think we have no choice but to include wet dreams. <laughs> As a sequel to this episode. <laughs> um. Okay, okay. I have uh, no idea where I'm going to go with that. But, hey, I think it should be interesting. I'll give you a tip. We just talked about Bruce Joel Rubin. And he did Jacob's Ladder. And Jacob's Ladder is filled okay. with dream scenes. So can I talk about the season finale of Dallas? <laughs> yeah. Right. It was all a dream. The whole sort of entire... My pick is going to be season three of Dallas, right? That entire season was a dream. And it was a wet dream because he was in the show. Mm, hello. And now, to quickly run through all the things that we usually say, if you like this episode, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts because it really definitely genuinely helps the podcast grow also we have a patreon there's 25 extra episodes on there we're adding to them all the time we're doing some of these episodes live broadcasting them on discord honestly the patreon stuff is brilliant crack because it's so interactive it is well kevin great uh best i love you scene in the bag thank you will for another great episode Kevin, it has been emotional. That's what I would say. It really was. And thank you for bringing so much love into my life. (laughs) You had me at, I'm recording. (laughs) Ditto. Aww. Aww. (laughs) Okay. All right. Good luck. Love you. Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. I love you too. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show, the full episode plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. 
Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes? Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> you don't des- Everybody cancel. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across, but you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure they were, they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah. But we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the time. Oh. I forgot. You may as well. Because the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after Yeah, we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. We are okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um. What else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look. Hey, listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go cinema. back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore, you know, get up to <laughs> get speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, where... Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, where are they going to show up? 
And like, it's a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors. And there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh this is insane. the thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. What was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, you, you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people are just trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. It would just they're morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a yeah. lot. Where has where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you it's a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the have timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.